this week. I had tons of fun having a yarn with Mr. Tyson Junker-Porter, who is a member of the Appalachian clan, also senior lecturer of indigenous knowledge at Deakin University, and also author of the book, Sand Talk, uh, How Indigenous Thinking Can Save the World, which is a book he suggests you don't buy, but borrow off a friend. Um, this was a far-ranging yarn that covered loads of things. We had a real deep dive into WA. Um, we looked at you know the impact of uh, an extractive economy. We had look at um, the rise and fall of civilization, systems, Britain, emergence, the impact of writing things down. It, it was a very far-ranging and a lots of fun and well worth the time listening to. Tyson's a real giggle to chat to, and he brings a whole lot of information. It's densely packed, but um, yes, it's, it's a good giggle and well, well worth listening to. So enjoy, Tyson. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Today, I have the great pleasure of speaking with Tyson Yonker-Porter. Tyson, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here. Thank you very I much. Love, I do love WA. Yeah, what was it about WA you enjoy? Uh, Noongar I haven't um I haven't spent much time um off Noongar country um over there. Like I've I've kind of touristed through other places, um but yeah, but I've I've been brought in quite strongly to uh, Noongar Buja and I'm really grateful for everything I've learned over there. Some pretty spectacular. I'm working a fair bit though with um Anna Paulina at the moment though. Yeah, and you know she's from up north there, and yeah, and the Fitzroy River and all that kind of thing. You know, we're working on regenerative songlines and things um, yeah. around that, and um, you know, figuring out how to assert first law. Uh, yeah, first people's law without going through native title or um, yeah. you know anything like that. Okay, actually, just asserting that and, and awesome. getting it on the map, um, which is pretty cool. I, I do. I do love WA. I'm, I'm coming over mid-year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm allowing myself two, two, two travels this year. And one's to I'm WA. Limiting travel as much as possible. And one of them is going to be over to where you are because um, it's pretty special over there. You know, the light's different. Yeah. Like you notice it being an East Coast person, and, and you come over, and even the light is different. The sky is different, and on Nyungar country there, there's a really strong sort of feminine spirit in the land yeah. uh, which is which is very very much dominant there on Noongar country and um it's there's an embrace to it that's pretty it's pretty lovely how, how except your you black snakes there behave weirdly in what way <laughs> well uh, everything's upside down in wa like freaking you know so so over here our black snakes are uh, right up the east coast north to south the black snakes are all really shy yeah. And, you know, you make a bit of noise and they get out of your way. They take off. Yeah. But it's like, so, you know, you, you do that. You, you stomp or you tap a stick on the ground to get rid of the black snakes over here. First time ever walking country over, <laughs> over there near Perth. And <laughs> the mom's going, what are you doing? <laughs> That's can't worry what you're doing now. But what do you want all the black snakes to come and bite us? <laughs> <laughs> Because they get attracted to the vibration, you know. They'll come and do guides or whatever you call them. There, they come. Yes, they they come and get you. <laughs> yeah, 
but then yeah. at the same time, your rainbow snake there is he's, he's all doopy, like um, you know, it's like he's like, oh, hello, <laughs> kind of thing. And you know, that but the, the rainbow snake over here on the east coast, you don't mess with him, you don't even want to go down to the water's edge if you've been eating some meat and you've got a bit of grease on your mouth, he might come up and get you. But uh, over there, he's like really kind and benevolent. <laughs> it's like, wow, your rainbow snake's nice over here. Um, yeah, That's so really it's just, it's like, and, and as a result, the, the light is different. The water is different. Yes. You know, the sand is different. It's like being on another planet. Yeah. And I don't need to go to Mars. I'll just go to Perth. You know? <laughs> send Elon there and see how he goes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's equally yeah. as remote over here. <laughs> I, I suppose, but remote from where? Yeah, true. I mean, we're remote from you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here in yeah. Melbourne and, and Melbourne is pretty remote from Perth. Yeah, true. I suppose it depends where you, the center of what you value is. Oh, um, but I, I mean, I see, um, you know, the wealth of knowledge over there. I see myself as being remote from that. Right. Uh, and it's having been a couple of years removed uh, from that and really just longing to get back and reestablish those connections and continue with my learning there. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what are some of the things you hope to pick up over here when you come? Ah, uh, well, I was, uh, there was a, um, a progression of learning. Sorry, I should. <laughs> no, no, so I'm, I'm a Bunuan country over here, uh, 3,000 k south from, from up home. Tyson Yoko Porto belonged to Apalachia clan. Um, I, I spent a, a lot of time, uh, a, a life of like quite intense uh, disruption um, uh, that I see as, as kind of an enormous gift because I've been able to, um, you know, go around it and learn from a lot of different people and, and be in a lot of different places and, and your place over there, um, where you're lucky enough to be, you know, living on that country, um, you know, that that's one of them. And I, I guess I had a number of elders and knowledge keepers taking me through a lot of um, a lot of things there, you know. Uh, so taking me out to sites, um, you know, sites where there's a twin site right over on the on the east coast, and where I've been through that uh, business there in that site, and then. Um, I don't know, the elders just smell it on you over there or something. I don't know how they know, you know, but then they take me to the same site and, and but we're camping the night before and and they say, oh, we'll take you there and sleep first. And then they sort of spirit walk you there in your sleep first. Right. So sort of to do a run through and, you know, and and you, <laughs> you know, so there's a, there's there's two paths, you know, going to this site and, and you take the wrong one in, in sleep and then, you know, you wake up in the morning and the old fellas are looking at you and they say, so when we go there today, you make sure you go west, not east uh, with that path. Okay. Because that's where you went wrong last night. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> ah. Anyway. Yeah. I went through like a, a lot of songlines and a series of sites and learnings there that were, you know, building to this uh, big waggle place, uh, I was supposed to be able to go and actually see him, you know, and, and but then um, I don't know I lost my job and, and uh, at the time and and then I couldn't get there again. I didn't have the resources, mm. so um, and that's been kind of cut off for a couple of years. But I am looking forward to getting back for a few days and just reconnecting. And I'll probably have to start over again, and it'll be another seven years of that until I I get back to where I was. <laughs> but that's all right. Um, yeah, it's just. Uh, I guess it's the process of, of coming to knowledge that's, um, 
yes you know that that's where that's where it is you know it's it's just so um you know it, it makes you who and what you are as a human being you know yeah. it's that knowledge transmission that's intergenerational and, um, you know that that's what we are and when we're in it and we're doing that we we are satisfied mm. yeah mm. there's something about ceremony though yeah now, I don't know. I've, I've been thinking about it lately because I've been looking, uh, when I'm looking at tech, yes. you know, uh, especially um, uh, social media and stuff like that. Um, but not only that, like, um, you know, TikTok and uh, YouTube and how those algorithms sort of learn you and figure out the best way to hijack your limbic system. Yes. Um, I've been looking at that purely in biological and, and, and scientific terms just to sort of see what it looks like through that lens. And there's something about um, when you're with somebody. Um, so if I start personality mirroring you now, yeah, you know what I mean? If I do the same, I do these little <laughs> micro nods and I lift my eyebrows up, it, you can't help it. Even though I'm telling you I'm doing it, <laughs> you feel good. I can see it in your eyes. Your eyes are shining. You know what I mean? Um, is that, and then you're giving that back to me and we're in this loop, right? Yes. We're in this loop where I'm feeling good because you're doing eyebrows up and <laughs> I'm doing eyebrows up and we're passing that back and forth. So there's some part of your mind that goes, oh, this person's good. This person's a friend. This yeah. person's like me, you know, we're connecting, um, you know, and so it, it, it uh, you, you get that reinforcement. But then when you pass that back and forth, it becomes a feedback loop. Now, when yeah. you're doing that with 50 to 100 people okay. and everybody's doing what you're doing, I mean, really, yeah. you're just doing what everyone else is doing. Correct. <laughs> but the feeling for you is that everybody's doing what you're doing and it puts you in another place. It kind of like uh, just takes over your entire limbic system and it lifts you into another sp state. Mm. I mean, biologically speaking, I mean, from my ontology and my indigenous knowledge, I'd say that that's spirit coming down, you know, yeah. and everybody coming into that that halfway place between worlds or even another world, you know. But if everybody's like, everybody's doing that together yeah. and you're doing that, um, everybody's doing that and it's going round and round, um, then you've got that, that little thing that we experienced, that feedback loop between you and me just with our eyebrows a second ago, you've got that. Uh, multiply by a million and it's it's so much it's so much better than um than what your youtube algorithm can give you you know that little hit you get when someone likes the same thing you like or yes you know uh so we get that online and that gets hijacked just to sell us disinformation but um yeah, but in okay. ceremony there's a there's you know you can see what the evolutionary purpose um of that you know yeah that social you know feedback loop and the way that can connect biologically through your limbic system to put you in another state you know um yeah and i miss that from uh from wa there's just a i think it's because of that feminine spirit of country there on Yungabucho. there's there's something there's something about it there's something about the um the lovingness and support of, of people who are in that space there's there's a there's a uh there's a special quality to it that doesn't quite exist anywhere else. You know, um, I can't put my finger on what it is, 
but I think it's just a different frequency. When I say the light's different, like I, I swear, like the photons are moving at, at a different uh, wave frequency there. I swear it's different light. And the, and the sky is so much bigger. The sky is freaking big. I, and people I, say, well, it's, it's because there aren't trees and infrastructure in the way. It's like, no, no because no. I can be in, you know, um, a, 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 like a forest of like a mangat forest of jam woods, the dominant species in, the, in that place. Best freaking wood I've ever carved with, by the way. I love that mangat. And I'm there and, and, you know, you maybe can't even see the sky, but you still have a sense of the sky being bigger. You know, um, and and I don't know if there's a physics to that or if it's just a completely other thing, but I believe it has something to do with the light. And um, I just, I love being there. It puts me in a, a very different feeling uh, for place um, than I've ever experienced before. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's awesome to hear you say this because, so I've lived here for 10 years. I came from England. Yeah, um, and I've been there too. The light's very freaking different. Yeah, let's not bother, <laughs> on with, your that. Island. Let's not bother with that. <laughs> let's stay here in WA for a minute. Yeah, man. Um, and it's been a real journey over the last ten years of of living here. It's been yeah. ooh, up and down, up and down, yeah. and and more and more and more. Particularly since I started the podcast, I started to connect to the people. Um, more and more and more. It it honestly feels like wa is seeping its way into me and yeah and into me and and then that gets reflected in maybe the people that come on the podcast maybe the people that i meet the way i go about things and and it's just been this it's been really i've been really opened up to it's interesting you talk about feminine energy because i've been really Mm. opened up to really subtle delicate nuances yeah more and more Mm. it's weird because there's um everything's intensified there because people are responding to that energy Mm. and there are there are amazing responses to that energy where you'll see you know sometimes you'll see the infrastructure of that place um responding to the energy there so you'll see you'll be standing on the Swan River and looking across at where the boys, um, you know, uh, prep site for initiation, first stage initiation was. And yeah. there is a um, there is a private boys high school on that site. Yeah. You know, and then you look to the girls equivalent and goodness me, but there's a, a, a private girls high school built yes. on that site, you know. Um, and then and you, the, you look at the place where you're standing to see that. And you go, oh, okay, so this is a park. You know, they've just kind of left this one uh, empty. They haven't got swings or anything on it. It's just a park. And lots of people walk through this every day. Um, and there's really strong sort of song lines and lines of energy running through it. Um, and that's a place of law for marriage law. Yes. You know, with um, Crow and White Cockatoo uh, business there. You know, it's a very sacred site for marriage law. And lo and behold, uh, that's the place you can get a permit and, you know, almost everybody in Perth gets married there in that park, yes. you know. So there's on this, on some level, people are responding in sublime ways to their energies. And yeah. they're either moving with the energies like that unconsciously or they are just desperately fighting those energies. 
Yes. And seeking to yes. destroy them because they might decide, no, we're going to build a brewery on top of this uh, Rainbow Snake site. Yes. We are going to, uh, you know, um, it's some of the most horrendous uh, racism you find anywhere in Australia. Um, it's basically you've got Perth and you've got Cairns and they're like uh, fighting each other for first place. <laughs> for yeah. racism it's so funny when you bring uh like when you take a like a middle class person from um the south uh the southeast of australia when you yeah. take them to Cairns or perth for the first time just that <laughs> their response to their uh shock at, at just the blatant racism you know and we're walking around along yeah yeah no the motels are segregated price that's that's how that works. You know, <laughs> we go on that side of the motel or even, you know, um, a lot of motels in Cairns will have another motel across the road where they send the Blackfellas. <laughs> I know. You know so, so I rock up with a bunch of people from uh, uh, university, you know, like white lecturers and stuff. And they're all, and, you know, the, the staff is humming and hiring because they're taking a group booking, but they have to send me across the road. Yeah. And, um, and I don't know, we don't bear up about that up north we don't go oh this is disgusting this is terrible it's just like yeah no that's that's our place over there we want to go there and hang with the black fellas anyway so we're kind of you know very accepting of the the racism there but you get someone from i mean the first time i i, I took my woman up back up home um and we stopped there in cairns and you know she spent um most of her life in in victoria uh, she's from central queensland but you know, she spent most of her life in victoria First time we're up there and, and it's like, you know, 20 minutes in where uh, she's getting her bag checked at the shop and none of the people in front of her in the line got it checked. And none of the people behind her. <laughs> and she's all like, you know, hey, what's this going on here? This is racist. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, come, 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 we don't do that here. We just like kind of just let them check our bags and keep going. <laughs> but she's like, no, nah, fuck this. But, you know, um, Perth is like, uh, I don't know. I think Perth is worse in a lot of ways. You know, like uh, Perth is the place where, you know, you'll be walking um, uh, along, I, I mean, walking on the side of the road uh, with the mob there, and it's not unusual to be spat on uh, by passing cars there. Mm. And there's, there's, there's this a sadness but a kind of almost an acceptance of, what, yeah, that's what happens when you walk along the side of the road. Yeah. People will spit on you and yell things from the car. You know, it's... um. It's a, oh, it's a weird and wonderful, exciting, beautiful, peaceful, horrendous place, Perth. Uh, <laughs> so true. It's it so is. true. That, that, it that, is. That there can be these absolute moments of, of, of beauty and nature and, yeah. and art and creation. Yeah. And then the next minute. Yeah. yeah. Well, it all only functions because there is a, an extractive growth-based economy correct on top so all of your infrastructure is based on that all of your yeah. daily interactions are based on that and tracked through a currency that's part of a growth-based economy yes you know? and that depends on extraction like particularly in australia more than well as much as more than anywhere else yeah but you even, know, the even only difference is that australia right. is one of those rare nations that gets to extract its own stuff and keep you know and its own rich people get to keep the proceeds of that and make the GDP look bigger. Mm. You know, that, that's that's the only difference. We haven't yeah. got a foreign power coming in and taking all of that. Although I think uh, 
under half the people in Perth would try and tell you that Asia is doing that and they must be stopped. <laughs> it's Asian invasion. <laughs> you know, Asian invasion. It's interesting. It's also um, interesting what you're saying about the 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 two, you know, the two forces coming yeah. together as well. Well, that, that economic system demands a caste system. Yes. It has to have a caste system because in order for anything to have a price and therefore value, it needs to be, you read any economics textbook. So, well, how do you price things? You can only price something by making it limitable and excludable. Yeah. You have to create artificial scarcities. You have to create a situation where there's more demand than supply, which means you've got to have at least half the people missing out. Yeah. How do you determine who the bottom half is that's going to miss out like on almost everything they need to survive? Well, you need a caste system in place. You need to be able to group people in all these different identities, and then you need to decide which ones um, have have less cultural capital than the others. Yeah. And that's um, unfortunately that's just what you need for a growth based economy. Yeah. So um, that's just what is. It's not because you know people just need to increase their awareness that they need to do some more cultural awareness training. And oh my god, I didn't realize about my privilege. Like everybody knows what their privileges are. You know, it, it doesn't change anything to become aware of that. Yeah. And you can be as aware as you like, but there's these systems of inequality that demand these things continue. Um, yes. And, yeah, people will enforce them. There's people who are in danger of losing their shit who are yeah. going to most rigorously enforce that. And so that's where you're going to get your more uh, marginal settler groups are going to uh, police those things more vigorously than anyone else. That's your kind of front line. It, 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 it's fascinating that you've just gone straight to the, the system level. Yeah. One of the things I'm finding at the moment, or I'm becoming super sensitive about, is that everything feels like it's being pushed onto the individual. Yeah. Um, right down to... Um, so I have, a, I have an emerging hypothesis that our rising mental health issues, whether it's you know, depression, anxiety, suicide is is almost an appropriate response to a system that's failing like we're yeah. the canary birds in the mine shaft right yeah yet if you look at any of the information or knowledge about mental health it's all put onto the individual you know yeah, yeah. Do the exercise do the meditation take your mental health seriously this that and the other but at no point do we s s sit back and go hang on a minute why are so many people depressed? Why are so many people anxious? Why are so many people taking their own lives? Maybe because the pool in which we're swimming is a bit fucked. Yeah. How, how do you see that? I, I, I see that variously depending on who I'm talking to. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. You, you just look at it through a multitude of lenses. Yeah. Um, but in, in the end... Um, you know, as an individual and even as a community, you don't get to choose. No. Uh, you know, the poison that's going to kill you. You know, you can notice it and then see how you can jujitsu your way around it as much as possible, but that's about it. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. We're supposed to distract ourselves by looking sideways and trying to find the evil in each other, brothers yeah. and sisters all around us from different cultures and and to punish those things and, um, you know, monitor those things and, you know, have everybody on their toes all the time so that we're all looking that way rather than looking up. Yeah. Um, 
you know, because I guess if everybody looked up at the same time and went, oh, stuff this, yeah, you know, <laughs> this all got to go, um, then, then it would all go. But that's not going to happen because we're all going to be uh, far too suspicious of each other and far too policing of each other. And, and I don't know, we get our attitudes, you know, we get this catastrophizing kind of thing going on. That everyone we look at, it's like, well, they're, they're like, you know, an existential threat to yes. us just for seeing in a different way, you know. Yes. And that's what we do. And that's not a natural human way of doing things. That's not what we're patterned to do as a species. You know, although every, you know, when we were caveman theory that all the disciplines are based on, we'll tell you that you, you look and try and find the studies where that's proven in some way. And mm. it's not, you know, it's very, very shaky baseline data mm. that to try and tell us that we're naturally xenophobic and that we're naturally constantly in a state of fight or flight, and that we're naturally, you know, this future eaters species that's like uh, doomed to destroy the earth because we were silly enough to come down from the trees. And, that, yeah. you know, we can't help it. We can't help ourselves, you know, and, and it's all of us as a mass of bloody anthros that are perceiving the world, and it's like, nah. <laughs> yeah, that's not what we're patterned to do. We're patterned to be uh, a custodial species, and I guess that's my translation of 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 that that one thing that common uh, continental common law uh, that's all over Australia and that comes everywhere on that serpent dreaming. But um, you know, in on your country there, on the country where you're staying right now, um, that story that they call it the, the carers for everything. Uh, as a translation into English, there's that concept of the carers for everything, that that's the human's role. You know, that comes out of that first man, first woman story. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's not, you know, so we're patterned to be that. We're not patterned to be, you know, what this kind of pseudoscience mm. uh, is telling us that we're patterned to be. So yeah. that, you know, a handful of assholes can... Um, do whatever it is that they're trying to bloody do. I don't know. Gather everything on the planet to themselves for what end? I don't know. Mm. Um, you know, we have to believe in their mythology of, of who we are, you know, in order to support them to do that, yes. in order to burn our lives and our lands and our children uh, just for them. And I don't know. It's a weird, weird little cult that's come out of the weird people. Capital W, capital I, capital E, capital R, capital D. Yeah. The Western educated, industrialized, rich, democratic yeah. people who was, um, that is a very unusual way of thinking. You know, most of the people uh, in the, on the planet don't have that pattern of cognition, but it is the dominant culture for the planet. Yes. And we all have to live beneath its systems and institutions. Every single country, it doesn't matter if you're a tiny little place in Africa, anywhere else. You, if you want to have a chance to actually exist, then you have to have their institutions. Mm. You have to have things that look like schools, that look like local councils, that look like parliaments, that look like banks, that look like hospitals, um, that look like a grid, a grid system, you know, patterns for your towns. Um, mm. 
you know, uh, postal services. You have to have you have to have all these little different uh, institutions in place, um, and preferably some kind of Abrahamic religion. <laughs> yeah, if you can, but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily work everywhere. <coughs> you know, and uh, yeah, and you have to be networked in, and you have to become part of a ridiculously complicated, not complex complicated and clunky supply chains um you have to be at the mercy of those and uh become part of that uh ridiculous ecosystem um yeah because all of that is you know feeding you know through subsidies and everything else um back into these coffers of about 80 people on the planet um and every disaster you get just is a is a way of transferring a bit more wealth from from the land and and from the lower caste people, like the lower 90% mm. of people are transferring it from them upwards. Mm. Every time you vote, you're only voting for 10%. You're voting for, you know, <laughs> you're voting for how that 10% of the planet is going to keep, uh, I keep wrecking it, basically. <laughs> half of that 10% will, will tell you a story of, um, well, we'll use uh, welfare rhetoric in order to maintain the caste system and the other half of that of that 10% will use trickle down economic theory and you know into rugged individualism as their rhetoric uh, to reinforce that caste system you know and you can vote for which brand you like but they're all in the same boat um, and they all have the same goal the same ends and it is to maintain that infinite growth model um, because that's the extractive model mm. And I, I suppose there's an, uh, maybe there's an end game. Maybe there isn't. Maybe it's just a self-organizing system yeah. um, that uh, sort of was put in place with a system of perverse incentives that just arms raced and ratcheted its way up to where we are now. That's, so, so that's really interesting because I encounter um, a lot of people who, particularly over the last 12 months, have... Um, strongly engaged with conspiracy theories of, you know, oh, yeah. there's a small group of people, a cabal that runs the world and, you know, we're all at their bidding. And I wonder sometimes whether, you know, I mean, that's in it. it it's easy to, to, to dive into that because then all of a sudden there's a them and an us and, and, and this, that, and the other, and I'm now segregated because I'm not part of them that are running the world. But I also sometimes wonder whether, like you just said, there's these chaotic patterns that have started off with something quite small many centuries ago mm. and, and have grown and grown and grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. It's, it, the more I've thought about this and the more I've started to go back and, and, and consider, you know, not just the extractive part, but also the colonization, you know, as, as we now fight from having our, um, our, our, our consciousness colonized by social media and have this sort of, have this sort of theory that um, it came out of watching the social dilemma film. My immediate reaction mm. was, oh my gosh, our, our unconscious is being swapped yeah. by technology thing. <laughs> and, and yet then if I go back and back and back and back and back, you know, through different empires and stuff like that. It's, we've, we've been at this colonizing game 
when I, well, probably when I say we, I said me, the wired, uh, weird. Um, we've been, the, this colonizing game has been played out over and over and over and over again. And, 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 I, and I wonder sometimes whether it's, I'm trying to abdicate people's responsibility, but I wonder whether it's like this perpetuating, I, I see it as like this whirlwind that keeps picking up and picking up and picking yeah. up and picking up. And it started somewhere. And Bertolt Crescent. Yeah. And and it's just and here we are, centuries, mm. you know, millennia on. And mm. and this is, you know, is this the blunt end of it, or is there even more layers to go? I mean, I found it super interesting when I was reading your book, that delineation between oral traditions and writing shit down. Mm. And I was like, whoa. I, I, I think I sat with that for a couple of days and, and just extrapolated out what that meant. Yeah. And it wasn't difficult to go from there to here. Well, that was the thing that created the weird uh, cognition. Yeah. Western educated, in, industrialized, rich, democratic. Uh, and that. it is a different form of cognition. Yes. And it was, you know, it started when Martin Luther banged his note up on the door. Yeah. And uh, so you ended up with Protestantism uh, coming about. When when Protestantism came about, there was a, um, it coincided with the arrival of the printing press. Yeah. And so it was, there was this big drive to like, everybody should be literate so that they can have their own personal relationship with God and they can read the Bible for themselves. Mm. And they can read analysis and do analysis for themselves to find their own way through and their own direct path to God. Mm. And this is something unheard of in human history. The idea that people would have an individual um, sort of way of being in the world and an individual relationship with the divine that would allow them to move through the world uh, without being um, accountable, you know, uh, yeah. to a collective at all. And that's, that's when that happened. And everybody had to follow suit. So, you know, so they, they started all these schools that were basically just teaching literacy so yeah. that people could read what was coming off the printing presses, uh, which is interesting because it was pretty much, that was your first conspiracy theories. Yeah. Were coming off, like most of what came off the printing presses is pretty much QAnon, but, you know, medieval <laughs> <laughs> version of, yeah. you know, um, so people were reading that and the Bible and the Catholic church had to follow suit and actually start up their Catholic schools as well. Yeah. Cause they had to remain competitive. So everybody gains this literacy and the literacy itself rewires your brain. So yeah. it actually thickens. It physically thickens the connection between the left and right side of your brain, yeah. which is naturally quite a, a flimsy little thing. Yes. But it thickens it physically, biologically. Uh, it causes things to be moved around. So your facial recognition, um, facial recognition stuff has to be moved uh, from the right side to the left side, you know, for example. Um, you know, because there's no room for it there. That's being used now for something else. And so that means, you know, if you become literate, suddenly your facial recognition is shitting. Yeah. Like it's really bad. You, you don't have that skill anymore. Yeah. You know, so we're all you're walking around in a world of faceless people, focusing on yourself as an individual on a hero's journey uh, to find God. Now that's going to end up nowhere good. <laughs> 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 you suddenly got all these 
rugged yeah, individuals in the northern hemisphere sort of walking around <laughs> doing that um yeah. and spreading that then you know uh, i mean genocides will ensue and yeah. some pretty horrendous stuff i mean civilization itself as it began in that fertile crescent in what we call the middle east now you know um you know a ten thousand year old experiment um that always fails you know yeah 500 to a thousand years every one of these civilizations must collapse yes. you know because it collapses under the laws of physics you, you just can't outsource your entropy forever yes you know um i mean unless you can spread your extractive activities further and further afield but the further afield you go over the frontier the further away from the sphere of trust and control you get and things become fragile yeah. <laughs> but they have managed through, you know, global communications and, uh, you know, private armies and and all kinds of stuff going on, and particularly uh, nuclear weapons, you know, managed to make a global net around the world whereby the entropy can keep getting outsourced further and further afield. Yes. And you can just move that. You can just externalize all your harm away from your clean technocratic spaces for um, a very small percentage of the population and yeah. basically you know the top 50 percent of people um who are weird they get to enjoy spaces that are so nice that they never ever they can live their whole life without ever getting punched in the face <laughs> you know and it's i keep meeting people who have never ever been punched in the face it's yeah. like holy shit you know <laughs> and they've completely and the idea of violence is just terrified to them it's like no that's that's bad that's like evil that's anti-human yes and um you know <laughs> so rather than you know in a natural system in a complex system violence is evenly distributed throughout the system and therefore does minimal damage but in the weird model it gets um concentrated <laughs> into these piles and yeah. then the entropy that the, the damage from all that stuff that keeps getting outsourced elsewhere as externalities that are, you know, um, deployed and, and exploded, detonated like far as far away from the center as possible. Yeah. So, you know, this particular civilization has got to um, has got to live past its use by date. Yeah. You know, as no other civilization before has, and it's yeah. done that through. Uh, it just keeps coming up with new ways to do it, temporary sort of ways yeah. that actually create more and more runaway entropy to the point that you know in the last four decades we've lost 60 percent of the biodiversity on the planet yes you know they harnessed the energy that i mean they couldn't have slaves anymore so they harnessed the energy of ghost slaves mm. a lot of energy to run a civilization so they did the yeah. ghost slaves which is you know uh the spirit of things long dead you know beneath the ground uh that create fossil fuels and so they burn that spirit and they put, they're using harnessing that ghost slave energy but, you know, there are externalities from that that go into the atmosphere, you know, that uh, acidify like uh, waters and, uh, you know, change climate and dry continents out and all these kind of horrendous things. Mm. But every civilization does that. You go to the earliest ones like uh, Uruk. You ever heard of Uruk? No. Go check out that dig site. Uh, check out the primary sources that we're writing about the bloody paradise that that was in initially. Mm -hmm. Now it's like you'll see a few walls and pottery shards and 
ceramics and a few bits of gold and stuff um, lying in the middle of a desert. Mm. It wasn't a freaking desert before. Yeah. You read about all these early civilizations in the Bible and they're in like, you know, these beautiful big forests and pasture lands and all this sort of thing. And, uh, but that kind of, <laughs> the, the, you go there now and it's just bloody blasted, dead, exposed earth. Yeah. You know, that's what civilization does to land. Yeah. And it's what's happening right now in Perth. Yes. And your part of the world is drying out because of it. Yes. And in a few decades, where you are is going to be virtually unlivable for the kind of society that you built there. Yeah. You know, you will not have the water to keep, you know, having your uh, food bowl that you've got there. Mm. You know, the wheat, wheat belt, do you call it? Yeah, the wheat belt. Yeah, the wheat belt's going to be like a wheat bracelet in a, in a couple of decades, you know. Um, yeah. What are you going to do then? Mm. Well, you are going to keep for as long as you can. Like, uh, you have to destroy the entire Kimberley first. Yeah. Because there's ore there, and that ore is what's going to get Australia through this 10-year depression that's that's starting now, mm. you know. Um, so the Kimberleys will have to be destroyed, and those Aboriginal lands and communities will have to be destroyed in order for you to be able to keep having your house there. Yeah. Um, and somehow shipping in enough water or, I don't know, getting desalination plants going. Yeah. Um, that will give you enough water just, just to be able to drink to maintain your lifestyle there. But, you know, um, a lot of people are, <laughs> you know, I see a lot of elders who are identifying where the strong underground water is that's nowhere near any um, mineral resources that anybody could want. Yeah. And just quietly not telling anybody about that and uh, gradually moving, you know, um, uh, things over there, structures to live in. Yeah. Just, just quietly under the radar moving some guns and stuff onto that site and uh, having that place ready to go to because they're like the well, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be any time in the next few years we're going to have to uh, disappear out to there. Mm. It but, is um, interesting you say that because I had, um, yeah, I actually uh, had Sean, Nana, Noel's nephew oh, yeah. on the podcast a couple of weeks yeah. ago. And he said something upon the similar about, you know. Oh, man, life. say hi to him for me when, when you see him. I will. I, it's been a few years. <laughs> I, I will. Um, he was saying how, you know, life lives on. And he said, at some point, you'll notice me and the rest of the family will head over the hills. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be gone then. Yeah. So proper, like, prepper family. <laughs> Nanaps. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like um, uh, this sensible preppers. But, you know, also there's nothing sensible about telling people that you're going to do that, though. I don't know why they're doing that. I think they're just very compassionate and they just want to let other people know that that's happening so that they can make the preparations too. Yeah. But uh, in doing that, you're really risking your own place. Yes. You know, because um, you look at anywhere where the civilization falls apart, um, you know, so you look at the where that's happened in the Baltic sort of states, and uh, well, Argentina is a really good example. So you look at the most recent examples of that, and hmm. your best chance of survival was not uh, having you know food sovereignty 
out in the countryside somewhere. You know, those people were the first to die because the first thing that happens when everything falls apart in the civilization is you get um, roving gangs of bandits just basically raping and pillaging over the countryside, um, living off everybody else's prepping, mm. you know, off their um, orchards and daughters and bunkers and anything else, you know. Yes. Uh, anywhere where that stockpile, uh, the people who actually had the best chance of survival were the ones who uh, stayed in the cities. Right. And, you know, caught pigeons and ate their dogs and, um, you know, actually, you know, collectivized uh, in neighborhoods and, and got together and protected each other that way. Mm. And, um, but that only works if you're waiting out, you know, the period of chaos for you know, the state to reassert, you know, a, a, a kind of blanket yeah. of law and order. To come you know, back. So they survive that few years until until that comes back into place. Yeah. But, yeah, um, if we're ever looking at a situation where that's gone forever, you know, the, um, the nation state sort of command and control structures, then it's a different, uh, different prospect. Yeah. But I don't see that as something that could possibly wink out overnight yeah. barring some massive global catastrophic event like a electromagnetic magnetic pulse from the sun that wipes out all the electronics and yeah you know or something like that um yeah I, I don't see that kind of happening all in one go i see it sort of fizzling out like stupidly and in undignified ways over a number of decades yeah and everybody gradually adapting to that um but people will have to realize that they need to become more mobile and that there are a lot of really good uh, mindsets and um, ways of being in the world that, that you can learn from refugees, for example. Yeah. I've already been through this. Um, Yeah. There are a lot of, I've got a mate who's, um, he's got an architecture firm where they basically build uh, movable buildings, beautiful, affordable, movable dwellings mm. you know that you can uh, uh <laughs> sort of uh ship away from a coastline uh, pretty easily within a couple of weeks wow yeah uh. no he's doing really well with that actually so here's here's a question that uh and maybe we part answered this already but i've been toying with for a while is um where have all the grown-ups gone? Because <laughs> it, yeah, it, it strikes me at times that we, you and I, are talking about this now, and to me, there's uh, there's, a, there's a sense of felt truth in it, and yet to a lot of others, they'll sort of come close to it, and then it will be traumatic, so they'll want to go away from it. Yeah, and and it strikes me that we've had this sort of cycle of pandering to that that trauma, mm. that traumatic experience. And it's like, well, it's, it's all a bit much. Let's yeah. not go there. Yeah. But when I say where have all the grown ups gone, it's the, I mean like the ones who say, "Well, I'm, I'm I'm sorry if you're finding it traumatic, but it's actually part of your growth." Yeah. Well, look, anyone who starts making sense like that, they immediately get removed from that community by the marketplace. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, they get mm. 
turn into these reluctant gurus and have to spend all their time doing fucking interviews like this, you know, <laughs> instead of actually doing something in their communities, you know, like yeah. anybody that, you know, someone decides is making sense and therefore they have value. Well, in order for that to be priced, like I said before, they have to be limitable and excludable. Mm. So you immediately have to exclude uh, that person's communication and knowledge uh, from the bottom 50% of the population mm. and then sell it to everyone in the top 50% of the population, but make sure that person's message is being controlled by the top 10%. Yes. Who are controlled by the top 1%. So, you know, it's it's like uh, basically you're constantly being funneled into this command and control structure. Um, and that that's and it's it's not, you know, a room full of people doing this. Like I said, it's self-organizing now. They're, all the algorithms on all these platforms are doing that automatically now. Yeah. And um, and pretty much just wiping out any kind of community wisdom or collective wisdom. Mm. Um, and this is your smallpox right. for your settlement. This is what we had with the smallpox, syphilis, all the rest, the massive wave of disease that swept across this continent mm. before pretty much before any settlers even caught sight of a functioning Aboriginal society, um, that society was already like knocked horrendously because who did those diseases kill first? It was the old people. Mm. So when you were having your first contact moments uh, as you started moving into the interior, um, I know you only just got here but I, I don't have time to distinguish between settlers. So yeah. I'm just saying you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gracefully taken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, and you're from the mother country, so, you know, stuff, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as your culture was having its first, you know, contact moments and recording as much as they could, all you were recording was, you, you know, the expression of a, an extremely dysfunctional and disrupted culture already because you know most of our elders had died yeah you know so where are all the grown-ups you're, you're asking now of your own yeah. culture but um at, at the time as you were first meeting us uh, all our grown-ups were dead mm. and we were working really hard to figure out you know how to make sure we held on to all the law and you know where that was and we we're madly shuffling things around as one group was being genocided trying to make sure that that was stored with another group, all of that knowledge, so that when the population came back over here, you know, that that could be passed back. So a lot of us are doing that work now of bringing a lot of that knowledge home mm. um, and regenerating a lot of the song lines and the ceremonial activities along those song lines, mm. you know. And, um, and, I mean, that's how I came to Perth was, you know, um, you know, from working with Mundagata story from, uh, Western New South Wales hmm. uh, and up over the border into Queensland there and that linking up across and w working with those elders and then traveling across with those elders to Perth uh, back in the day, you know, it's um, all this stuff just unfolds and things are kept there. And, you know, people who are embedded in the landscape, you know, are keeping these things, um, you know, it's like, for so for example, you know, when I got there and I met um, some of these elders like in, in WA, you know, one of them was like saying to the, oh, he's here. This is this fella here we, we were waiting for before. Hmm. And, you know, he takes me out to his shed and he's got, oh, I've been hanging on to this for you for 30 years. 
um, and it was a, a big uh, a blue whale vertebra. Mm. It had washed up on the, on the beach, and his old people had said, just hang on to this uh, for a while. There'll be somebody who'll come along, and you'll, you'll see uh, white owl business that he's carrying there. And uh, this is this white owl spirit that an owl's brought up from, uh, you know, the drowned country. And you've got to pass the, this on to him. You know what I mean? And then, so then I, I've got to take that back across and I've got to pass that on to the right people, you know. So I'm being this kind of intermediary. Mm. Um, so I'm passing that owl business back to people over on the East Coast and, um, you know, making sure that's going back. Uh, into the right place, you know. So there's all these actions that have to occur through massive cataclysms, you know, whereby the law of the land can be maintained and kept and uh, eventually reestablished. Do you see... Um, that's going on. So where all the grown-ups, um, it, it, it's an emergence, you know, the system will throw up grown-ups again. Um, yeah. You know, at the moment, there's a massive cataclysm in, in your own uh, sort of culture of everybody is, has been infantilized. And a lot of that's because mm. of uh, the world leadership over the last few years. The, the most powerful and most famous man who ever lived has been running the world recently and giving everybody the workshop on how to be pricks to each other, mm. you know, and how to remain completely unaccountable. You know, you do something horrendous and how you get out of that is like doing nine or ten other horrendous things immediately. Yes. If anybody is like, you know, isn't completely exhausted and will try and hold you to account for each of those things at each point as they try and hold you accountable for it, you just flip it back on them. No, oh, I didn't do that. You did that. Yeah. You did that. And now you're bullying me. I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe. You're bullying yeah. me. Yeah. You know, um, that's the workshop. And everybody left and right is doing that. They're doing that in their personal relationships. I don't know. That's probably how you argue with your spouse now. Tell me that's not a pattern that you've seen emerge in your personal relationships with whether you've got kids, a spouse, your friends, anybody. Yeah. If you say, oh, oh, when you do that to me, that's that's really hurtful. And they'll turn around and they will say to you, I didn't do that. You did that. And yeah. now you're victiming me. Yeah. You're victimizing it's me. A, it's a race to inhabit. Yeah. And, and they will escalate and escalate and escalate until you give up and apologize. That's your personal relationships now with every single person in your life. It's, it's most of the people on the planet are having to have their personal relationships, even that, uh, coming through the art of the deal and the yeah. Trump workshops that we've all had. And that's where we are now. So where are the grown-ups? The grown-ups of Benjamin buttoned, man, um, horrendously. Yeah. And but um, there are people, and there are entities in the landscape that are keeping all that wisdom for you and keeping that knowledge for you. Mm. And as soon as we get through that bloody cataclysm, then that can start coming back that way as well. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's the end of the world is never the end of the world. You know. You get one. You get one of those every ten thousand years or so. That's just that's just part of the natural cycles of the earth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where are you going to go with that, Brass? I'm just I'm just going to sit with it. I'm just just going to sit with it. So why are you here? Why did you come out? 
Are you one of the, you, I, I can tell you're not one of those, you know, oh, it's just you know, England is not England anymore. England's no. not England anymore. Bloody national dishes, chicken ticker for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, oh no, oh no, I don't like all that curry. No, I don't like me fucking potatoes like that. I'm coming, I'm coming out here and I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, and I didn't bring a million pounds and it'll become did, three million. Did you ever pounds see and I'm gonna, did you ever I'm see gonna be a landlord and sit on my fat ass here and whinge about things? Did you ever see the Stanley um, sketch about people moving to the colonies for the standard of life? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't come here for the prawns either. <laughs> no. <laughs> or no, the abalone. To answer your question, um, look, on one level, I could give you a whole lot of you know, rational answers yeah. about, um, well, I'm not even going to bother. Um, I came to Australia when I was... 18, 19 years old, and okay. something changed in me, and I went home, and one of the first things my mother said was, did you enjoy it? And I said, yeah, I'm going to go back and live there. Yeah. And uh, she was like, oh, really? I passed it off. Mm. And, um, and then, yeah, a set of circumstances came about for me to come here. But mm. um, without sounding too ethereal, there's always been a pull. Mm. And there's a reason, and I don't quite get it, but there is a reason. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, mm. that's probably as good as I. Can and did make. you pull? Did you pull when you get here? When you <laughs> got here? Did well, you pull? You did. You, you hooked up. No, you hooked up with here. a skip chick. No, I came. No, I came here. Um, yeah, no, um, it's. When we were talking earlier on about the forces yeah. coming together of, um, you know, almost like the, the land and how naturally things should be and then how we want them to be and how um, these, 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 these whirlwinds of thoughts and way of being collide together. Yeah. That's what happened for me within about three or four years of being. Yeah, yeah. Everything that I came with exploded. Right. And, um, so yeah. So you can't go back. Yeah, yeah. Because you just don't have the schema anymore to. No, and and you know when you, you know, and I'm sitting, everything exploded, and then all of a sudden I'm sitting there in a little, mm. little flat, wondering, how the fuck did all that happen? Well, how did you just like? And 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 it's interesting, Tyson, because it's almost like I had to come here for it to happen, and it had to happen. Mm. So I had to come to WA and this was the place that it had to happen. Your accent's nearly gone. I'm trying to place it. It's not Liverpool. It's not Gloucestershire. 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 Yeah. It yeah, just comes through every now and then a little bit. And I'm like, nah, what's that? That's, All right. And then, and then, yeah. And then since then, you know, I, it was almost like everything got burnt. Everything got burnt right down to the ground into ashes. And then, yeah, I had to rebuild and that's what I've done. Uh, and, and, and part of the, you know, amongst many things that I've done to rebuild, um, this has been part of it. Talking to people, talking to people. Well, as you excavate down through those ash layers of your life that you've built here, you yeah. find there are other layers beneath it. Yes. Other ashes. Yes. Yeah. And it's been interesting. Lots of bone chips and stuff in there. 
Yeah, and I guess from from here, as everything disintegrated, it's been fascinating, particularly last year, to go on a journey, a line of inquiry with the podcast that even took me to places like, um, so I went to a boarding school yeah. for 11 years. So you know, I was separated from mum and dad at the age of eight. And, and so then I spoke to someone who's a uh, expert in boarding school trauma. Now that's yeah. a difficult conversation to have because how do you put privilege and trauma in the same sentence? Yeah. Not easy. Not everybody wants to hear that. Yeah. But it occurred and it occurred. And, and died. Like what kind of boarding school? Like, you know, you go to the, like the forest kids 21st birthday kind of boarding school or. How do you mean? <laughs> well, I mean, how elite was your boarding school? Like, oh, I wasn't, it, we're not talking Eaton's here. And um, probably. Oh, you went in the, in, in the UK. Yes. Sorry, I was thinking about WA, like when you yeah, came no, back. No. All right. No, exactly. no, because you came in 19. All right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, because yeah. I moved here. I moved, okay. moved here when I was 36. Oh, jeez. So, so, yeah, but you go back into that. And, and then all of a sudden I could feel some of the trauma that sits at the heart of the British psyche. So, you know, it's all these different layers since coming here that allowing whatever goes on here, the energy of this place to penetrate and yeah. Yeah, different like ring layers of a tree yeah. inside of me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the um the British psyche is one of, you know, I mean, it's just horrific waves of um invasion and, and colonization over and over and over again. Mm. And it's basically, you know, un unexamined trauma <laughs> of that that's, you know, just sort of buried. No, that was in the past. <laughs> Exactly. We'll bury you that. You know what I mean? No, no wonder. While yeah. we're still doing it to like, you know, <laughs> three of the four things that we call Britain. Um, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you know, oh my goodness. You know, it's, it's, I mean, it's just, I mean, you had Moorish invasions there at one stage. You had like, you know, you had the Romans, but then even the Celts themselves were invaders coming in there. Yeah, and yeah. each subsequent wave you know, on that beautiful fertile it's island, you know, a, that moved it from a place that had cave bears and freaking dire wolves, like <laughs> shifted it from that to some fucking Bronze Age horror. And then, you know, and further and further and further away, you know, each step was like this ratchet moving people away from the land. Mm. Um, it's just, a, it's just an awful, awful tale of abuse. You know, what happened on that island? You know, you copped it from every kind of Viking that there was, just waves. And it's pretty much, you know, every few generations, people had to go, oh, okay, all our men are dead and we're going to have to marry these rapists now. Oh, my God. Again, okay. <laughs> you know, but then weirdly, because of the nature of those invasions and, the, you know, killing all the men and raping all the women, uh, there's this kind of, uh, matrilineal line mm. that's come right through from your, you know, Pictish and pre-Pictish and beaker people like no one even knows what the hell they were, yes. who, who made the fairy bolts, but yeah. it's still there because it's come through in this matrilineal line coming through yeah. because all the people that invaded immediately killed all the men. Yeah. And boys and, um, and took over the women. So weirdly, you know, 
England kind of did this thing where it kept, I don't know, colonizing the colonizers. Yeah. Because within a few generations, that sort of, uh, you know, that women's culture, that matrilineal culture would reassert itself again into these bioregional cultures yeah. that freaking for some reason on this tiny island, there's like, I mean, how many different accents are there? Oh, ridiculous. So the, the, and the land still asserts that pattern over your speech in these bioregions. Yes. To the point where it keeps expressing itself, even though you're forced all to speak this ridiculous trade creole with a bit of Norman and a bit of Saxon and a bit of Angle and a bit of freaking Jute and Dane and freaking everything else coming through. You know, even Indo-European. Yeah. You know, that was an invasion. Fucking yeah. everything. And, and each time the land keeps reasserting yeah. its spirit. You know, I think it has something to do with the really powerful uh, sacred sites and underground water things yeah. that you've got there. And the people, I mean, you still go to the fucking chemist and what do you get there? You get your walking trails map, hey? Yeah. You know, you get your walking trails map wherever you are in England and you walk yeah. ancient freaking paths. Yeah. You know, every person, no matter where you, <laughs> if you move to another village where they have a different ac as accent or whatever, or if you're visiting or going through, you bastards always end up walking those paths. And the farmers can't keep you out. They've got to provide access, yeah. you know, through their fields for you to continue walking these ancient song lines, these ley lines, you know, these trade routes all over your... So it's weird. England, the land keeps asserting its spirit mm. no matter who invades it no matter what kind of economic system gets mapped over the top and that's got to give you some hope yes because when this global economic system does finally collapse you know um it's um that will still be there for you mm. and that will still be there for whoever's here too mm. and um it's going to really help when we start the thousand year cleanup together yeah yeah, are we are we starting it or no, no, no? There's more messes to be made yet. More messes. To It'll be. have to start soon though, because um, yeah, uh, people were worried uh, recently that um, that the ice melt, you know, at the poles uh, would expose the uh, banded bases, scientific and military, um, because those bases were all run by small nuclear reactors. Hmm. And there are massive, big, uh, you know, open-air ponds of uh, radioactive coolant. And they just abandoned those and let the snow cover it over. And they're really, really worried about the ice melt, you know, with climate change exposing those and basically, um, you know, um, rendering entire bloody hemispheres um, radioactive. Yeah. It's completely destroying ecosystems. And, and, you know, once you get into those currents, they go everywhere. Yeah. You know, and there's a Coriolis effect that might protect one hemisphere from the other uh, temporarily, but eventually that bleeds across. Yeah. So um, they were worried that that was going to happen any day now. But recently they've said, no, we don't have to worry about that anymore because it will be at least, it'll be a century. Mm. We, we've got 100 years until that happens. Right. And there are about... 50 other things that are, you know, complete existential threats that won't happen for another 100 years. Right. And then there are about 500 other things that are complete existential threats 
that could drop any day. Yeah. And uh, we're not slowing down. No. We're adding to that. We're going, and we're going to chuck, just chuck CRISPR into the mix now. I mean, because we can. <laughs> so, yeah, and this and that and, ah, my goodness. Um, yeah, so we haven't started the cleanup yet. Right. You know, the baby is still shitting on the floor. And, um, yeah, and we haven't started cleaning it up yet. What, um, you used the word hope a minute ago. What does hope look like? Uh, hope usually is uh, not something I'm interested in. I, I think it's something that people use to avoid accountability. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's something that people use to uh, sort of wallpaper over the externalities that they produce. Yeah. Because uh, every every action that you take, so you might campaign for something, you know, a solution, a particular solution, but that solution is producing externalities. Yeah. So you're improving conditions in one place or for one yeah. group of people. But um, all you're doing is outsourcing uh, mm. that entropy to somewhere else, that damage to somewhere else. If you're not aware of the externalities you're producing, I mean, you need to have hope to cover that over. Yes. And this feeling that the good that you're doing in the world is improving the world and not just shifting the shitty stuff to somewhere else. Mm. You know, so that's what hope is for. Hope is also there to keep people um, uh, compliant and um, to keep people calm. Uh, when they're in absolutely intolerable conditions, mm-hmm. it's a this uh, you know this lack of agency. It's a it's a longing for a set of future conditions over which you have no control. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what hope is to me. Hope is a um, is a mechanism that liberalism as a self organizing system throws up to keep us in line. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. So a different question then is what what can we do? <laughs> <laughs> What can you do? You can foster the conditions for emergence. Yes. Your frontal lobe is, is, this, is the most inefficient, clunky, ineffective uh, mechanism on the planet for uh, creating solutions to complex problems. Hmm. You know, you need to do these things collectively. You need yes. to listen to everybody. Uh, you need to bring people together and share all the stories and find a narrative path through. And we just need to support each other and we need to make sure that we're behaving as interconnected, interrelated groups of people. Mm. Mm. And who, and we've got to reject this idea of some people having solutions or an ideology being better than another ideology. Yeah. Because otherwise we waste all of our time struggling over those things. And basically all of our uh, energy that needs to be, uh, funneled into actually the thousand year cleanup. Instead, that's just getting burned up as heat in mm. our struggles against each other. You know, so we've got to, you know, just speak the way you speak. Uh, you don't have to insist that other people speak the same way. You mm. just speak that way, uh, live that way, and go and interact and listen to as many people as possible, and in and allow every interaction to change you. Yes, you know. Give freely. Try not to accumulate anything. Keep as much as possible. Have every unit of value, energy, information, everything else. Uh, exchanging hands at least ten times. You know you've got to have velocity. You know within a system. And if you um, if you make that demotic, biotic, you know uh, natural system of interaction, if you increase that, uh, then you're allowing uh, for emergence to happen. Hmm. 
for a larger mind, you know, um, is basically liberalism as this big Godzilla, you know, but altogether that's it's kind of emerged, you know, organically <laughs> under its own steam, and it's it's yeah. it's sort of gay. The singularity's happened, you know. It is a massive, complex, self-organizing entity, and um, we need to start behaving, you know, as human beings in our own system embedded in a landscape and yeah. just doing that then you know the big the beast that might actually fight godzilla for us will emerge from that mm. but if you are operating under any illusion that you can do community organizing or um you know online activism or get some memes together or get a following or make the next platform or make the next organization that's going to save the freaking world you know that's uh that's some some power rangers shit that just isn't going to work <laughs> <laughs> power rangers shit. Yeah. Well, like, yeah what's um this last couple of questions um it's like a slightly more human question what is it like being tyson young porter who sees so deeply into the world uh i, I don't think i see deeply at all um I think I've spread very thin right across the <laughs> entire surface. You know, my relationships are not what they should be. Yeah. They're not what they were. Yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, I just, I just go with it. I, I, I assume that there are entities that are um, far smarter than I am uh, yeah. that are directing me, you know, towards yeah. these things. And so I just follow the signs. Um you know, I know how to read country and, you know, that's a transferable skill set. And so I read all of these systems in the same way. Mm. And I just let myself go where I'm directed, mm. uh, you know, so I might not be feeling it with, you know, some big bloody podcast with 8 million viewers or something that wants to talk to me and I'm just not feeling it. I'm not seeing any sign to go on there and I'll say no, nah. but then I'll do some, other pissy little podcast that some expats doing out of his living room, you know, <laughs> because I'll feel, uh, yeah, I get that message that, well, this is the one I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And, you know, so I just go where I'm kind of, uh, blown. Um, mm. although that, that seems a bit, I don't know. No, that, that sounds a bit random. It, it's not, it's not as random as that. Yeah. You know, I basically, I just follow the signs and I do what I'm supposed to do. Mm. It's seldom in my best interests, um, but, you know, I, I kind of, I don't know, I know now after, you know, nearly five decades that every time I try to plan a path through, every time I have a, a fucking ambition or a, a goal or a mission or a I'm going to do this, that that will be like, you know, that I'm going to get swallowed by the fish and spat up yeah. somewhere else. So I, I just, uh, you know, let the current take me where it's supposed to take me. And I don't fight that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it's seldom what I want to do. And, um, but what I want to do is irrelevant. Yeah. Know? And, and I guess, you know, you're never happier than when you're really allowing these things to take you where they're supposed to take you. And it always ends up somewhere that's right in the end. You go, ah, oh, that's what all that was for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all that abuse was okay. Yeah, that was a whole heap of co-evolutionary pressures that would lead me to this train of thought. Okay, oh. awesome. Fuck. Is that that really hurts though? I got to get some ointment for that. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> it's very difficult. I think people like uh, catastrophize trauma. I mean, they, there's a lot of impacts on everybody's life and, and whether you feel trauma or not from that or experience trauma and, and keep going around and around and under the water with it, cycling back through it, and yeah. you know, is um, that's up to you. I find that's, that's really unhelpful. Yeah. Um, it doesn't allow you to learn what you're supposed to learn and be put where you're supposed to be put. And you just kind of accept that. It's like, oh, okay. So my jaw is now going to click for the rest of my life. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. That's good. Um, yeah. And then you stop having nightmares about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you just, you know, um, put on the ointment and, um, and keep going. <laughs> Indeed. And make sure you extract the, the learning. Mm. You find you, you allow that to put you on the path where you're supposed to be, and then it's all pretty good. There's no trauma there. Yeah. It's just all uh, life and knowledge and all the rest. But mm. like I said, it's my doom to be spread sort of thin and sort of uh, so far, you know, um, you know, I've been granted a few you know, uh, periods where I've been able to be in a place and go deep yeah. there. Um, but I've never been allowed to stay there <laughs> yeah. for too long. I, I am hoping that uh, the last little part of my life that I'll, I'll get 10 years just to be somewhere and, and be deep there without having to be moved on. Yes. But that's everybody's longings, you know. Um, yeah, very so true. I'm not making plans for that. I'm just... Uh, you know, that's something quietly that I would like one day. Yeah. Please, spirit. Yeah. Listening. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. Maybe like another time around. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll get born through after the cleanup and get to enjoy a bit of that then. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Maybe that's what we're longing for. So uh, last question I ask all my guests. It's a hypothetical one, but it's always good fun. Um, if I could just slow everyone down mm. for 10 minutes and Tyson could just stick a question into the collective consciousness that everybody thinks about or reflects on for five or 10 minutes, what would that be? Oh, just that first protocol. It's the old fellas, the first question they ask you, where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> there's <laughs> everything in that it's like what is your purpose here what's your trajectory where have you come from where are you going to yeah. what is what is your purpose here yeah in this place and um you know with this implied kind of well that's going to have to be regulated yeah. um yeah it's that first anywhere you go on country or you come in community you know you meet them old fellows that's that's always in whatever language you know, that's it's where you're going. Where you going? Weirdly, that's often translated. Uh, that language phrase is often translated uh, into English um, as "welcome." Right. <laughs> yeah. So in Melbourne, uh, you know, and in Victoria, it's um, a womanjika. Yeah. And you know, and that's like that's called welcome. You know, uh, for settlers. You know. But what it really means is, where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> Papers, please. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> yep. But okay. 
and then it's like yeah up north that's well, all the old people first thing not like hello how are you what not okay where are you going where are you going yeah awesome. and there's purpose to that so uck means like uh place purpose mm. um all the, all that kind of thing so you might answer um in poyaka like oh uh, so wanake that ak you go min poyaka like i'm going for um mud crabs yeah you know that's my purpose yeah and then it's like oh you might bring me a couple of those crabs back mm. well and then you have to <laughs> <laughs> then you're obliged yeah Super. Yeah. I have really, really enjoyed talking to you this morning. Yeah, same way. Better yeah. go Google. Yeah. <laughs> We've been um, lots of different places. <laughs> yeah. Lots of different places. Yeah. I feel yeah. Um, I feel like I've travelled more deeply in Western Australia by talking to someone in Victoria, strangely enough. <laughs> Isn't that weird? But that's how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. Um, yeah, if anybody um, wants to know more about Tyson, I'd suggest you go and read his book, which um, seems yeah. to be. Just just yeah. borrow it from somebody or from a library or something. There's plenty of copies out there already, just like. Yeah, yeah. We don't don't, need to don't buy one. I'm trying to encourage people not to buy them anymore because it's, um, you know, it's one of those things when you get to a certain number of units sold, it, it kind of ruins your life a fair bit. You get positioned in this marketplace. All right. uh, in ways that are not conducive to having good relations in the world. Yeah. Uh, so I'm style. trying to um, reduce sales as much as possible at this stage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So don't go and buy his book. Go yeah, and just borrow from the library or <laughs> even just talk to someone about it or yeah, know, whatever. I've read I'll, it. I'll tell you their, their stuff, how they read it. <laughs> All right, man. Awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. See you, bro.